as Sam already said, my name is Ali and it's really lovely to be with you tonight. I've come all the way from Watford, which is about like 16 miles, but like 100 years in the car. But no, it's really, really lovely, uh, lovely to be with you. And tonight I want to speak from the book of Nehemiah. Um, it's a book that I read a couple of months ago and you know that thing of when you read bits of the Bible that you're familiar with and then just it just speaks to you in a whole different way. And just to give you a little bit of the background, what's happened is that God's people had been carried off into exile. So they, uh, their beloved land, the land that the Lord had led them to, uh, J- uh, Jerusalem was completely ransacked and destroyed, the temple destroyed, everything. It was just an awful, awful thing. And they were carried off, separated from the, from the land, which for them was their, uh, a symbol of their identity, of their belonging to God, of his favor and presence with them. And for years they lived in a foreign land. But under um, a new king, there was permission for them to return. And they began to return in dribs and drabs back um, from Babylon back to Israel. And um, there's this guy, Nehemiah, and he's not a spiritual leader in one sense, other than the fact that it's all spiritual. But he's got this high position of honor in the, ki- the Persian king's um, uh, palace, and it's a, respon- it's, a, it's a responsible position. But he goes to the king and asks for permission to leave that place of honor, protection, wealth, all of those things, and says, I want to go back and help the people build, rebuild what has been destroyed. And what they need to do is they need to start with rebuilding the walls. And the walls um, were what would have surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And they were important uh, on lots of different levels. They were important because they, the walls were what w- brought an element of protection um, and also foresight. You could look from the walls and see if your enemies were coming. But it wasn't just a sort of practical thing. It was these walls kind of demarked this holy city. And obviously, once the walls were built, then you can start building a temple and you begin to recreate this life of God's people. But it's a massive job because when they were ransacked, that wall was destroyed. And it's going to be a really big project. But they start pulling together. And there's this team of them that start to rebuild the wall under Nehemiah's leadership. As they start, they get all kinds of opposition that comes to them from the Persians, like people ridiculing them, like, who do you think you are to, you know, you'll never do it, it's a massive job, all of that kind of thing, and the temptation to quit, and then also the threat of violence. So that is a kind of background, and we're actually going to read a fair chunk of the Bible, which is really funny, because a part of me wants to apologize, I'm really sorry, but we're going to read like 20 verses, (laughs) but it's, you know, we're in church, so I reckon we probably can do that, and when I say we, I mean, I'm going to read it, but hopefully you can take it in, and then we're going to sort of jump off from this passage into just a couple of really simple things that I think the Lord wants to say to us, an encouragement really about where he's placed us in our own lives. So Nehemiah chapter 4, and it says this, when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break it down, their wall of stones. Hear us, O God. 
for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give, give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When, the en when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. As a big old chunk. But there's a few things that I want to pick out. And I wonder even if you were, as you were listening to it, there might be things that jumped out and spoke to you even about your life. But the things I want to point out and pull out for us tonight is that each of us has been called to build, not to build a wall, but to build and play our part in building the kingdom of God. And just like for the Israelites, the work is extensive and spread out. A couple of times it says that in the passage. So they were called to one project, but it, they were so spread out in the, the largeness of this project that they weren't stood side by side. They didn't get to go to their neighbor, you're doing a great job, carry on. They had to acknowledge that. And when the attack came, they had to find a way to cover each other. But they did all of that being reminded by no Nehemiah, our God will fight for us. In other words, put your confidence there. Even though we've got these other strategies going on, this is what under, underpins this. Put your confidence in God. And the spoiler alert is the Israelites did it. It took four years, but they did it. And what I want to say to us is just to spend some time now using their lives and this story as a picture for our lives and our story. 
because as I said, for us it's different. We're not called to rebuild this wall. But each of us, God has placed us where we are in our lives, in our work situations, in our families and communities. And he's asking us to build where we are. And what that it looks like is we pray it so often when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes I think we can pray that prayer and imagine that something will kind of take us by surprise. And it's like amazing, miraculous acts will happen as a little bit of heaven lands in front of us. And sometimes that's the case. But so often it is through us that God builds his kingdom. I just want to tell you a few little stories, really. Um, imagine they're like stories from someone else's part of the wall. And hopefully it will speak to you and encourage you for your part of the wall. There's a guy in our church called Stuart, a really sweet man, um, and he uh, is involved in looking after a block of flats. And uh, he was called to this block of flats uh, during lockdown, actually, because a lady, part of her roof had started falling in. And when he went to do some immediate work to it, and someone else was going to come and do the, the longer standing stuff, he just started a conversation with her. And we found out this lady, her name was Joy, but at the point where he met her, she wasn't feeling particularly joyful. She'd moved to near where we live in Watford, but just before lockdown, to take care of a dying parent who then quite quickly died. And she didn't know anyone else in that area. And so her purpose for moving there was gone, and then she's in the middle of grieving her mum. And into that, what happens is she gets run over. A car runs her over, and she has a very serious leg injury. She's in hospital for four months and then is sent home to uh, rehabilitate. So back to her flat, where she knows no one, where she's in pain physically and in pain emotionally. And then her ceiling starts falling down. If you thought you were having a bad day, that was Joy's bad day. And into that situation walks Stuart from our church, and Stuart asks her, how are you? And she says, not very good, actually. She's so desperate, she tells him. And all he says to her is, you should watch my church. We're online at the moment right, in those dark days of lockdown. And so Joy starts to uh, watch our online services. And then when we open up, she tentatively comes into the building and grabs me. And she says, I've been watching online, but now I'm here. I don't know if you want me, and I don't know if God wants me. And we had a really good chat and a quick pray. We weren't running Alpha at the time, um, but I asked someone if they would start meeting with her. And on their second walk around the block, this lady led Joy um, to the Lord. She became a Christian, and she got tucked into one of our small groups, all because Stuart was in there to mend her falling down roof. I was talking to someone else at church a little while ago, and just before the service started, I said, hello, are you okay? And she said, yeah, God is good, isn't he? And I said, yeah, he is. But tell me, why did you say that? Because I just thought it was really interesting. I wanted to know. And she said, well, a couple of weeks ago, I was leaving church, and someone crashed into the back of my Porsche, which is an odd thing to say after you've just said God is good. So I was like, tell me more. And basically, someone crashed into the back of her, and they exchanged details. And this person was like, ah, you know, it's annoying, isn't it, to have to sort out your car? But as she got home and walked into her house, she felt God say, don't make that woman pay a penny. I want you to cover the cost of the accident. 
she was like, I don't really like what you've just said, but she's trying to listen to God. And so um, she decides to ring this lady, but the lady doesn't pick up the phone. And for five days, she tries to ring this lady to say, don't worry about this. And for five days, the lady doesn't pick up. And so in the end, the lady from our church leaves a message. And she says, I don't know why you're not picking up. I worry that you're worried. But I just want you to know, I I don't know if you have a faith or not, but I'm a Christian and God has told me to pay for every bit of of this accident. And the woman rings her back in floods of tears and just said, I wasn't insured. I've got 37 pounds in my bank account and I had no way of knowing how I was going to cover this. And she cried on the phone. This lady in our church said, "Um, can I take you out for lunch? And so they went out for lunch. So the last she said to me was, I just wonder how will I get to share the gospel with her? I said, I don't think that's going to be hard. (laughs) I've not long started training um, to be a vicar. And as part of the process, I have to go away quite regularly every six weeks for training weekends. And I tagged on to this last one a little night away with a couple of my really good girlfriends. And we were staying in a B&B, one of those old-fashioned B&Bs where you actually like sit around the family dinner table and talk to people that aren't your friends. And uh, this got chatting to this man quite quickly on, and his name was Neil. And uh, he was asking me where I'd come from, why was I in that? And I said, oh, I've been away training to be a vicar. And he then told me that he was dying and he didn't have long left to live. And uh, we talked over breakfast and then he said, I've got to go, got to go and um, uh, go and have some blood tests now. And he was from a generation where I thought the fact that I've already told him I'm training to be a vicar means he's probably slightly less suspicious of me. It flips. If people are younger, they're probably more suspicious of me. But he was not suspicious. So I just said, hey, I'd really love to pray for you before you go, if that's all right. And he just stopped and his face lit up. And he just said, you're so kind. Someone else has asked the same. He said, last time I was in hospital, a lady was there with her dying husband. And she asked if she could pray for me. And then she did it right there and then. She laid hands on me and she prayed for me. And he said, and guess what? I felt better. And he said, I think it was her kindness that made me feel better. I don't know if it was prayer. I think it was her kindness. I said, well, I'd love to do the same now for you, if that's all right. And I just laid hands on him, did a really quick prayer, and on he went. Stories from different parts of the wall. In that last one, I got to build a lift bit where an unknown sister of mine in a hospital somewhere had already laid a stone, and I got to do that too. But in different ways, wherever we are, God is asking, would we lay the stones that look like him? Your kingdom come, your will be done. What does it look like? It looks like love. It looks like joy. It looks like peace, patience, kindness. It looks like generosity, as in the case of that woman, because the Lord um, prompted her to. Wherever he has placed you, wherever you're going to be going tomorrow, what does it look like for you to be on the lookout for ways where you can build a culture and an environment with your words, with your actions, with your prayers that speak of a God of love? that speak of a God of peace, that speak of a God of joy. Another little story from someone else's part of the wall. I was talking to a social worker the other week, and she was a social worker, and now she's, in her later years, is a manager of social workers. And so it's often her job to 
look after the social workers in her care and their, look at their caseloads with them, but it's also her job to sort of mediate between the powers that be above and then the ones doing the work. And this woman, um, June, in our church, she's just grace personified. She's the sort of person as well that if someone was getting irate, she would be calm. She's like the opposite of those people that pour fuel on a fire. She just takes the drama out. And I was just listening to her as she'd have this really stressful situation of trying to get a social worker to court with a family and pick them up from one part of London and get them somewhere else and all of this. And it's like, look at where God has placed you, where she gets to build in joy and in peace and in the way that she supports. And sometimes I think what we can think is for those in the caring professions, the teachers and the pastors and the social workers and the NHS workers, that we can go, yeah, I can see how they can build the kingdom of God. But every single one of us, where he has placed us, as I said, with our words, with our actions, with the way that we pray, we get to influence and bring something of his kingdom to earth, even tonight, even tomorrow. And I wonder what would it look like for more of the rule and reign of God to be evident where he's placed you, where you do your normal nine to five or not nine to five. What would it look like for more of his life and his love to come? Build there, eyes open, hearts open, ears open to what he might want to say to you and then through you in the big and in the small ways. What we find for us is just like the Israelites, the work is extensive and spread out because where you're building is not where I'm building. And we'll go from this building and we will literally just fan out and not be anywhere near each other tomorrow. And that's the way it often goes. And what can happen is when the work is extensive and spread out, we can feel a little bit like what I'm doing is not that big a deal. I think of a friend of mine that worked in a really toxic work environment where everyone was just gossiping about other people and backstabbing and it was just a horrible work environment. And he was asking God, what can I do to change the atmosphere? And so one night he went into the office when everyone else had gone home and he hid a Kit Kat chunky in everyone's desk drawer or in tray. And then so they wouldn't find him out, he also did the same in his and the next day when he went in, everyone was like, oh, my goodness, I've got this, you know, where did this come from? Who could it be? And they couldn't solve the mystery because he had um, done it for himself as well. And it, what it meant is suddenly people, the atmosphere changed because you can't be bitchy and gossip about someone when they could be the one that bought you the Kit Kat Chunky. Now, he could say, I'm just one person. What can I do? What, what difference will it make? As Mother Teresa said, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. So the danger is, is because the work is extensive and spread out, we can fall into a mentality that says, I can't make that much difference. And yet you can make a massive difference to the person that you spend your days with. But also because the work is extensive and spread out, we have to find a way to cover each other's backs. 
for them, they were literally stations where one of them was building and someone else stood behind them. And most of us aren't going to go into work tomorrow and go, I brought my support buddy with me. <laughs> Don't worry. Just while I'm typing this email, they're going to stand behind me and just pray in tongues. Don't worry. We're not weird. You know, we're not, we're not going to do that. But there are other ways that we can support one another as we fan out and we build our bit of the wall with God. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just in, as in fact you're doing. That as we fan out, let's find ways to encourage one another so that we don't end up isolated. We all now know the dangers of isolation because we had to live it on and off for two years. And whatever our personality type and whatever our preference, I think pretty much all of us learned that being closed up in our own homes, either on our own or with one or two people that we may either love dearly or tolerate just about, you know, that it's not good for human beings to be alone, as Jesus says in Genesis. It cracks me up because my husband is a high, high, extreme, extreme introvert. And it was three months into the first lockdown that he just went, sort of missing our friends <laughs> and I went well three months now we know how long it takes for you to you know feel the loss for me it was like day two but we all learned the dangers of isolation and somehow we need to apply that now to whatever we're up to is recognizing it's not good if we feel like we're on our own so how do we bridge the gap and how do we stand together when we're not working this out together we need to be able, um, I think, to let other people see us so they actually know where we need encouragement. In that lockdown, I found that lots of people I was speaking to just started to see things not very clearly. Because we were isolated and because the world was going crazy, we started to believe strange things about ourselves or about other people and about God. We began just to get and not seeing things quite right. And I remember one day going uh, for a long walk with my friend Andy, who's also a colleague, and I was just rambling on about, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and he listened. And after listening for probably half an hour, he just said, Ali, is there any chance that you're not seeing this exactly as it is? Just really gently. That was how he reached into my isolation. Friends can see what we can't see. We need one another. What was going on for the Israelites is they were being out and out attacked with threat of violence. But we're told in Ephesians that our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's not to say that we're not in a battle. And you might know that we have an enemy called Satan who loves to undermine us in our thinking, who likes to undermine our security in God and um, skews the way that we see him and the way that we see other people and the way that we see ourselves. And friends, we cover one another's backs where we're able to say, this is the truth of who you are. This is the truth of who God is. And in order to do this, it's essential that we come together. There's a reason why the Bible says, do not give up meeting together what it says in Hebrews, that we fan out and we play our part and we're building where God has placed us. But we have to prioritize being together, even as we are now, in smaller settings, in friendship groups, in, in whatever way that we can do Christian community. And I know that off the back of COVID, 
what happened is that where church was so unstable for a couple of years and where we got used to accessing church through a screen, there's now people not just all over the country but all over the world that would say, is church like that much of a priority now? Does it really matter whether or not I go up? I can just tune in and, you know, join in the worship from my sofa and uh, I can still be blessed that way. But that's, that's not it. Christian community isn't something that we do from a distance. We've got to be in each other's faces, in each other's lives. That when we pull back, and I'm speaking to the converted here because you're here, but when we stop meeting together, we miss out on having someone um, have our back. We miss out on the kind of support and encouragement that you get from community. But also we miss out on being that for someone else. We miss out on that moment. I will forever be thankful for Andy's words of truth that he said to me on that walk that day. And that's just one example. You know, I can think of, there's a couple in our church at the moment, they're going through a horrible time. And I'm watching their, we call our small groups connect groups. I'm watching their connect group just rally around them with meals and childcare and love and the whole shebang. They chose community and it's coming back to them in spades. And it's not you give in order to get. It's that this is what we do for one another. We have one another's back. It's part of what it means to be a Christian community. We have a whole bunch of people in our church who are really keen runners. um, And some of them like really good. And I am an on-off runner and I'm not very good. But every now and again, I go back to park run and um, try to swallow down the shame of like running about the same speed as the old ladies that walk at the back. You know, it's like, hold on, they're catching up with me and I'm running. And when I went back and did a first run and I hadn't done it for a while, there were a couple of people in our church who they had already run it. That's how fast they were. They'd already run it. And then they went and they waited for me at the final little turn. And as I approached it, I could just hear them going, come on, Ellie come on. And it didn't bother me at all that they'd already finished. It genuinely didn't. But I couldn't believe the difference that it made. It was like my heart started running differently. It was like I had adrenaline in my legs as they just yelled, come on, Ali. When we meet together, it's like we're saying, come on, Tom. Come on, Rupert. Come on, Matt. Come on, Sam. Come on, Beth. Build the bit of the wall where God has placed you. I know that tomorrow we'll go our separate ways again. But I'm going to say, come on. Because you are my brother, because you are my sister, I cheer you on. And then, in all of this, we remember that our confidence is not in our ability to build. Our confidence is not in our ability to ward off opposition. Our confidence is in our God. And they reminded each other of that when they said, remember that the Lord our God will fight for us. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. They're saying, put this front and center, that he is involved in this work, this work that is practical, this work that is big, this work that is backbreaking. He is with us and he is for us. And wherever we're going at the end of tonight, the Lord God goes with us. And the Lord God is for us. And his presence makes all the difference. 
I wonder if you've ever just taken a moment in your place of work where you spend your Monday to Saturday to just become aware of his presence. Because he is with you, because the Holy Spirit himself lives in you, become aware of his presence. So often what happens is that when we are aware of his presence, it's not that the situation immediately changes. It's not that maybe we've got a problem at work and it suddenly goes. It's that somehow there's a comfort and a strength from coming from knowing that our God is with us. And we used to run these festivals called Soul Survivor, and I was involved with Mike and Andy, who various ones of you will have met. The three of us used to host the festivals together, and it was an incredible joy because every summer we would see thousands of people give their lives to Jesus, or over a thousand people give their life to Jesus, and watching young people meet with him in worship and watching young people pray for one another. It's like stuff that dreams are made of. But it could also be tough at times. It, it was quite long and uh, lots going on and quite busy. And, and there was one day where, well, what, I don't even know what was happening, but stuff was going on. And I was stood on the stage and internally just saying to God, I'm tired and I'm just lacking confidence right now. And I can't do this. And just as I said that, his presence, it was literally like he came and hung out with me on the stage. And in that moment, everything changed, even though nothing changed. You ever have that where you are with one of your closest friends, and it's not that the world is suddenly a better place, except that it is because you're with them. And we get to do our everyday lives not just with our, the, you know, the best friend that anyone could hope for, but the God that we worship and the God that goes with us is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Commander of the Heavenly Host, the one who created everything that is seen and unseen, the one who was and is and is to come, is for you and is with you. And so my encouragement to you is don't just be encouraged and comforted by that. But whatever you face outside of these walls, pray your kingdom come. Would you come and invade my workplace with your presence? Would you come and this difficult situation that I'm facing, would you turn it around? And this conflict that I'm having with this colleague, would you come and would you bring a change? And where the finances for that are dire, would you intervene, God? Is there anything that is on your to-do list or your worry list that you've stopped bringing to him? Bring it to him. Put it back on the table. Our God is with us. So, my encouragement to you tonight is wherever he has placed you, build. Build in simplicity. Build with your words. Build with your actions and with your prayers. With your prayers and your praise. Let's keep looking out for one another, looking for ways to champion and encourage each other. Share stories from your bit of the wall and ask people for their stories from their bit of the wall. What are you seeing? What is difficult right now? What is good right now? Where is God at work, even if it's just in the tiny seed of something? And let's do it just knowing he is with us. He is for us, not just to comfort and encourage us but to turn up and make a difference in our everyday lives. Amen. Amen. Why don't we... Um
Why don't we stand? Tom and the band, do you want to come up? And um, if you've been to one of these services before, you'll know that it's just our habit and our practice to make room for God to do whatever he wants to do. And so we're just going to wait on him. If you want to stand, and uh, let's just pray. And Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you've been with us. You are with us. And your presence has, um, you've made yourself um, present to us tonight. And what we're asking of you, Lord, is that you would just increase your presence now. Lord, that for each of us in different ways, we would just become aware of your nearness and your kindness, your beauty. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord God, I pray. To your every heart. take a moment, although I'm not going to play anything, just to, even as you stand, just rest in him and be open to him. It's an obvious one, really, but I think there are just some of you here that just really could do with a bit of encouragement from God. Like, you've heard it through my words, but it's like now he wants to minister it to your heart. That for some of you, um, where you've been, where you spend your majority of your day, things are just not that encouraging, and uh, you're not seeing much sign of good stuff, whatever that might be, and you're just a bit weary. And if that's you, would you just come forward? Because what we would love to do is we'd love to literally stand with you, just as we read in that picture in from Nehemiah. We'd love to stand with you and just pray for you and ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Yeah, so if that's you, just come forward now. If you just feel like, yeah, you could do with a bit of encouragement. And when I say come forward, it's not because the front is magic or, you know, we've marked a bit out and sprinkled it with holy water or anything like that. It's just so that we can see you and so that we can get people to stand with you. Um, yeah, if others want to come, if there's anyone here that this is your regular uh, gathering place, uh, you just come and lay hands, be ready to lay hands. And even as people come, I think there is um, maybe one or two people here and you've been asking God for more influence. I think in your workplace, you've been asking God for more influence. And probably um, as a Christian, you've probably battled with that and wondered if that's selfish ambition. But actually what you've wanted more than anything is more influence so that you can influence and affect culture and um, yeah, ways of being. And you've not yet seen that come. And if that's you, just we'd love you also just to come forward so that we can pray with you and stand with you. 
So if that's you, come forward now as well. Is there any other people that could come and pray? I know it might seem a bit scary, but it's just literally putting a hand on someone's shoulder and saying, come Holy Spirit. Filled with the rest. Lord Jesus, just bring your encouragement now, I pray, for all of us who need it. Just bring your encouragement, Lord. Thank you. Lord, give us eyes to see where you're at work. But more than anything, just whisper to our hearts, I pray. As we pray, the rest of us, we're just going to worship the Lord, the one who was and is and is to come. If you want prayer for anything, we will keep. some of us will keep our eyes out and come and pray for you. So even if it's nothing to do with anything that I've said, um, please do come forward and we would love to pray for you. But let's just spend a bit of time worshipping God together.